0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management. We live in a fast-paced,
1: hectic world where it is easy to feel overwhelmed, stressed and out of control. How do you manage all the competing pressures without losing your sense of yourself? how do you stay focused enough to not only plot a path but follow it welcome to master your life a show that offers inspiration insight and intelligence as well as success stories for many walks of life that can show you how you can control your own destiny our knowledgeable and entertaining hosts and their guests give practical advice that you can use every day in the quest to master your life now Here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin.
2: Welcome to Master Your Life, a show which features inspiration, intelligence, and insight into today's problems as we try to live successful and happy lives. I'm Dr. Howard Rankin, and with my co host, Dr. Leah Mattinson, today we're going to be talking about her new book. Leah, tell us about your new book.
3: I am so excited <laughs> finally finally this uh, the uh, the baby is being born so to speak it's been a very long uh, process to uh, bring silver linings to life and it's been in the works for probably almost five years and I've gone through many title changes and <laughs> subtitle changes and uh, I just so the book is going to be actually published and on the shelves uh, at the beginning of November. Mm -hmm.
2: That's that's great. Now tell us again its full title.
3: Yes, the full title is, uh, it's gone through a transformation from silver linings, how to be unstoppable in the face of terminal illness, uh, to silver linings, the essential guide to building courage, self-respect, and wellness. Uh, So I just really felt like it was... I held up the process cuz because I didn't feel like it was the story actually was Um, presented in a way that it was bringing any beauty to the world (laughs) just uh, and so it's been a lot of work to to rework the book and rework some of the um, passages in the book and and to have it come to life in a way where people feel empowered and um, like they can go through anything in life literally and build courage self-respect and wellness
2: yeah, and it's interesting just talking about the book process as, as somebody who coaches, mentors people writing books, having written them myself, gosh, write them. Um, it's a it's a process, and it can be a very, very beneficial process, not just emotionally, but as you think through the thoughts and you think through the story, it evolves, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, and, absolutely. And and it and begins really the meaning becomes much clearer to you. I think one, that's actually one of the reasons for writing a book that has personal meaning or a memoir or something like that Is that you do have time to think, and writing is thinking. Uh, You do have time to think about the meaning of different events and how they go together, and and what's the theme here. And it and and it's a very rewarding experience, even though it does take time. And I'm not surprised that you say it's taken five years. I've heard people say I've been thinking of writing this book for 25 years. Great. Um, So so it's it's a very powerful process. I mean, it's it's not dissimilar to journaling. In many ways, it's like a, a, a very big journal,
3: isn't it? Yeah. And I think that so for me, the funny, funny, maybe not so funny, download of the book actually happened in about 30 days. So the actual meat of the book I wrote sitting in uh, a coffee shop over a series of nights in a very, very snowy, cold conditions. And uh, the, con- the, the text of the book, the, the guts of the book, the guts of that story were really solid. Um, At that time And at that time in my life What I wrote was 100% bang on And then I had some circumstances That just put Put the book on hold From being published and they were um, like serious circumstances. So I I really felt like I needed to make one decision or the other. So I poured my energy into the other side of things. So when I came back to the book, the book wasn't relevant anymore in lots of ways. I went, mm-hmm. holy, like my perspective mm-hmm. has shifted. And then, you know, looking at this, th- this book that I had felt so much connection with and um, just love for what I had written and then looking at it and going, wow, that was that was then and this is now now how do I bring this to life like can I do that is that within integrity and and so I'd really really struggled with that and I was very lucky to have some wise advisors uh, in my life that uh, were able to say you know like what it, what is it that you need to do Leah for it to feel right for you not what's the rest of the world think.
2: No, I think that's right. It's always, the the author always has got to feel, this is what I want to say. This is what is meaningful to me. Because if you don't do that, then you start to deviate from your story and your message. And that's what's unique about everyone's book. Um, It's their story. And as soon as you try to contort yourself for whatever reason, you lose some of that uh, authenticity and some of its value, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... So, so, tell us um, the themes of the book. Tell us and and not only tell us the themes of the book, but but your experience of relating them.
3: Yes, yeah, so, so the overall themes of the book are um, of course, that my family has this terminal illness and it Huntington's disease. And it is one of you know there's very, very few diseases that, by medical standards, are one hundred percent certain that you're going to inherit them. Uh, So it's not like a 0.101% probability of inheriting the disease if you're gene positive for it. According to science, you're 100% uh, going to manifest the disease uh, if you have the genetics for it. So in my case, um, you can go for genetic testing. So the story is really like the family story of how I grew up and how, how where I grew up and the family that I grew up influenced my thinking and influenced how I handle decisions in my life and how I uh, think about being ill or how I think about being well. And and so it just invites people to come in at, at a very human raw level and see um, a family going through some difficulties. I have cousins that um, are In you know institutionalized already with this particular disease, and they're just a couple years older than me, and they've been living in institutions for you know over five years. Um, So, so it's just this very very real gritty story of uh, of of a terminal illness that is genetic and passed down. So I have children and now a grandson, which I talk about him frequently, (laughs) Uh (laughs) And, and so they're all at risk. 50-50 uh, right. at risk for inheriting this thing. So when it so part of it is just that recognizing sort of the, the what is according to science. And then on the flip side of it, it's also going, I don't actually buy all that stuff. So mm-hmm. so it's inviting readers to think about um, that come along this little journey with me. Just think about how to think about things differently. Think about how to respond to things in your environment in a way that uh, serves the purposes of love and goodness and that it invites people to be self-reflective and think about how did you come up with that uh, way of thinking and does that way of thinking serve you? And if it doesn't serve you, then what can you do about that to, to change things? So it's really written from the perspective of sharing just my thinking process and my faith uh, and a lot, and just inviting people to think about that they could have a really joyful, fulfilling, fun, loving, grateful life, whether they're ill or they're not ill, <laughs>
2: Right, right. yeah, and I think I think that's that's true. And of course, um, I have read the book, and that was the thing that absolutely jumped out of me at me while I was reading it was, you know, here you are talking about being diagnosed with, you know, potentially a terminal illness, and, and what the book is, is really an endorsement of living life to the fullest, rather than what it could be, which is um, feeling sorry for yourself and, you know, going into the why me, I mean, that, that jumps out of the book tremendously and it's it's very powerful um, to read that story and and really see that what you're doing is embracing life not talking about demise
3: yes and uh and I've been really so lucky to have had uh, really, really good mentors in my life that have, um, and that being my parents, and that they don't view the illness as an illness. They just view it as, you know, kind of a change management process. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I, and I've been a management consultant for a number of years um, and a coach for a number of years. And this whole idea of that you just, you look at everything that happens as a problem, or Uh an opportunity and then Uh it's like how are you going to manage that and so uh, there was this sort of objectifying things so that we could um uh, so that i could get a handle on on stuff and so growing up in this environment allowed me to develop the skills to be able to objectify things and go now if i was going to take that apart and disassemble it and make it look better how would i do that and Uh then i just became really curious about well you know, so if I have this genetic status, how would I, how would I actually, not, get sick?
2: Right, right. How would you keep it at bay? Which is, which is fascinating because the the normal, I'm sure, the default setting uh, when you were to get a diagnosis like that is um, to think about the negative things, to think, to worry about all the the downside, worry about um, your future, all of that, rather than what your book is about, um, planning and, and, and planning how you're going to deal with this and doing so with enthusiasm, with inspiration, with gusto, uh, with insight, with creativity, with inspiration. Um, you know, that's what strikes me about this, that is so powerful, that force is not for one second are you saying... Oh boy, what the heck am I going to do? I've got this <laughs> terrible illness. You know, it's 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 really powerful in its in its positive outlook.
3: Well, thank you, Howard, and I. Um, that's what I hope that the readers that readers take away from it is just how easy it is to to get into a mental position of really looking for the surprises in life. And anticipating that there's some really cool things that we could never, ever plan that are going to happen, whether we plan really well or not. <laughs> and, yep. that you know, when you have the perspective or when I, I, like, I just really have this perspective, like um, every morning when I wake up, I am so eternally grateful for the things in my life. And it actually gives me goosebumps just talking about it right now because I really, really am. Um, I, you know, give thanks for my warm bed. I give thanks for my loving partner. I give thanks for my children, my grandchildren. I give thanks for the dogs that are outside, you know, barking when they shouldn't be. And then we have a laugh about, you know, the ravens that are cawing. And there's just so many things that, That when I wake up and I wake up in that state every single morning, and sometimes I'm called to wake up at 2 a.m. to do a little bit of writing, and I I don't ever wake up feeling resentful, like I'm just so so grateful for this life that I've been given, and I think that the genetic status actually called me to um, be more of what. Uh, more purposeful and more of what God intends me to be in the world, which is really to be the most loving thing that I can be as I walk through my day, day in and day out.
2: So uh, what I'm hearing you say is you're always a person who was connected with gratitude and um appreciated the things in your life and and approached them positively, but this diagnosis emphasized that even more. Is that right?
3: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That I'm just so... um... That because there's always this little mystery of oh like is that a symptom is that a symptom? <laughs> right, <laughs> and going right, you know right, what right. I think I think that it's like I'm I think I'm like normal people. I just go no that's everyone does that. Lots of other people do exactly that same thing. So stop freaking yourself out and look more for the surprises that are the good surprises like how well I am. So when I look at myself in comparison with um, other people who are you know my age or other people who are going through different varying diseases. I am so grateful that, at some at somehow, I've been able to cultivate a mindset of absolute optimism and positivity, and that I encourage other people who are around me who are struggling with things to like to do the same thing. And I, it's not in an arrogant way at all. It's very much in inviting them to. Look at how they can heal and how they don't have to be in misery all the time. And in fact, we're kind of called when we have these little special things in our life. Maybe we consider it like we're being called to be um, in a better space and, and setting a better example and being a role model for other people
2: yeah, so it's 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 almost like these challenges, whatever they are, can deepen our gratitude and our appreciation uh, rather than sidetrack us into woundology, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's not that just an, that's just so exciting. I think that is the most exciting thing in the world. when we can take all of the thinking, all of the things that we think, and actually discard them and just operate from a place of pure goodness and love.
2: Yeah, and again, that certainly, that was a message that comes through loud and clear in your book, uh, is that not just despite this condition that you discovered, but because of it, you were able to be even more grateful and even more appreciative and even more loving of the people around you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think it's a really important and powerful message. Um, That's not typically how people think about the setbacks in their lives and they certainly don't think about about setbacks that really have they've had no agency in bringing about. These things have just happened to them like a diagnosis. Uh, Typically, it's easy to fall back into um, feeling sorry for yourself. And even if it is, well, what am I going to do about it? It, it doesn't have the, often the drive, um, the passion and the positivity that, that comes through. In your story and in your book, so we'll continue with this um, after the break. Um, during the break, I'm going to ask um, Leah if, when she wakes up in the morning, she's grateful for her radio co-host. But until then, <laughs> we will come back after, we will come back after the break and talk more about Leah's wonderful book, Silver Linings.
1: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
4: If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place think ketosis maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it well agonize no longer because there is a solution what could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins visit RealLifeTraining.expert to find out Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Are
0: you finding your frequency? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
4: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
1: You are tuned in to Master Your Life, to reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah, that's L-E-A-H-A, at
2: changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life, the show with inspiration, insight, and intelligence. I'm Dr. Howard Rankin, and today I have the privilege and pleasure of talking to my co-host, Leah Manson, about her brand new book, which is just out, called Silver Linings. And before the break, we were talking about Leah's incredibly positive attitude, which I think she's probably always had, um, but even more so, not... Because of, or despite, but even more so, in the face of being diagnosed with uh, genetic conditions uh, for the Huntington's disease. So, tell us more, Leah, about what you hope to do with this book and how the readers can really be engaged in it.
3: Uh, thank you, Howard. I just uh, my my deepest desire is for people to uh, read this and connect with it and understand that they have other ways of thinking available to them to make their world better. And as we so often talk about on this show, people really do feel uh, stressed and uncertain and fearful and have self-disdain and how much it's just taking such a serious toll on our physical, mental health and emotional health. And and so we really strive all the time through this book um, and through all the things that are connected to it and with this show, which I think is also connected to the whole journey of this to help people to really um, uh, have less struggle through each day of feeling alone and burned out and damaged and battered and bruised and kind of getting the idea through the book and through the journey that that's no way to live. And it has not always been an easy journey. I've always definitely been positive uh, about about this uh, genetic status and positive about my life and, and i'm definitely optimistic by nature um that and being optimistic doesn't necessarily mean that everything is just rolled out real real simply <laughs> uh, so, not at all no no not at all and uh so i wouldn't want people to to get the impression that i haven't had any challenges um i've had mm-hmm. a lot of very real challenges <laughs> along the way and uh part and parcel i think of that was you know getting the genetic status and being very positive about it and And most people don't go for testing either, because it's incurable. And so most people don't want to know. And when I say most people, I mean, 95% of people don't go for testing. So even if they have it in their family, they don't want to know about it. And they try and sweep it under the carpet until symptoms appear, and it's like a very difficult. It's a tricky. It's a tricky disease because it's got so many features. It has um, uh, cognitive dysfunction. There's you know lack of emotional control. People become really apathetic, uh, and it can just be hard to diagnose those things before the movement disorder because so many people in regular life look like that. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yes,
3: of course. So, yeah. <laughs> so you kind of go wow, um, I don't know if I, most people don't really want to know that they have an incurable disease, but how I was looking at it when I went for the genetic testing was, I want to do everything that I can possibly do to head this thing off at the pass if, I ha, if I'm gene positive for it, and I want to be prepared as much as humanly possible for needing to help and support my children who I absolutely adore if they become ill, and because there's juvenile type, uh, juvenile type H.D., and so that can kill that that can kill kids very very young, and uh, so when I had this gift handed to me, I, I just went. I, I need to do everything I possibly can to make sure that I am resilient. And so my what I did was I learned everything I could about the brain, and I I learned everything I could about doing the right training and you know boosting blood flow to the brain and taking the right supplements for brain health. And I went to the gym literally seven days a week. And so, wow. <laughs> so what started out as a really noble effort and I had lots of fans, like people going, wow, like that's awesome that you're going to the gym all the time. But my body started breaking down, you know, so my brain's maybe doing great, but my, <laughs> my body is is not at 48 years old. I was going, okay, well, you know, my feet, my feet are in bad shape. My, you know, there's just, I'm going to need cortisone shots for my elbows because I've done you know 60,000 burpees this year. Uh, and that was not, that's probably not much of an exaggeration. So I think that was my coping mechanism. So instead of, you know, drinking or doing kind of what we call what people like to call low-level activities, I went to the gym. And which I say see seem noble and, and all that stuff. The truth was I was consumed by that. Mm. And, and uh, that it, it took for me to have a couple of injuries uh, to actually see how crazy my own behavior was. And actually my kids also, uh, I became, it, it was just this opposite thing. I wanted to be there mm. for them so much. And I was not. I was uh, selfish and at the gym and focused on. Um just being well, 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 and not taking into account that they had all this range of emotional needs that were not being met. And so part of the book really is about me confessing these very, very difficult times of going of revelation and going, Wow, holy Leah, you know better. And just not having the insight and so when I got the insight of going okay well now what do I do with that how do I heal these things how do I because I lot of I lost a lot of respect for myself during that like that recognition of that thing of leaving of abandoning my kids a bit Um, and then so when I really got truthful with myself about how I had been in absence from them emotionally It took a it took quite a bit of work for me to forgive myself for that, and to ask for forgiveness from my children, and to say, you know, mom was just I was doing the best I could do, guys. And uh, yeah, it was really, really, um, because there was a lot of damage done because I had stepped out, and so some people do it through booze, some people do it through other. Means I did it through the gym. <laughs> and so... Well, if you're yeah.
2: going to do it, that's a pretty good way to do it. Let's yeah. let's be honest. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? You, you embrace this. You sort the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, in part, um, if you did have it so you could protect your kids and then you end up getting so consumed in trying to protect yourself that you lose some of that connection with them. Um, yes,
3: yeah. There's this great song by a uh, train... <laughs> the band Train called Drops of Jupiter. And I believe that the story of that was the fellow who's the lead singer for that band. I think he wrote it because his mom had cancer. And so it's just, he sings about her being absent from him. And did you find yourself, What, what did you find yourself or did you find yourself while you were looking for yourself out there? Uh-huh. You know, did you miss me at all while you uh-huh. were looking for yourself out there? And that song just really, you know, struck home for me. I, I thought, no, I did didn't find myself. Right. I didn't
4: find myself. <laughs> mm, right, didn't right. find myself.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And now, and then I have some injuries now to recover from because mm. of that. So, <laughs> so, so I, so I think just looping back to what you're, the, you know, what the book is about. It's just like a real, a real honest look at at the journey of uh, illness and wellness and kind of all the, all the thinking and and recognizing that we're all human and, uh, uh, that just the needing to be well or wanting to be well, it's really important to connect with other people. And while I was doing all that stuff, I wasn't connecting. I was very, very isolated.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, and I'm sure that's true of any illness that strikes, or serious illness that strikes a family member. One of my high school buddies uh, is a guy called Paul Mendelssohn, who turned out to be an outstanding writer. He's written stuff um, for the BBC and lots of independent movies. He did a wonderful two-hour show. He actually ended up with cancer, so it partly inspired the show uh, about a guy who gets cancer. And he did it with this fabulous, typical Paul Light touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the theme of it is towards the end is his family, and he's got two he's got a wife and two grown kids, and in this drama, one of his kids eventually turns to him and said, "Dad, it's not just your illness, right? You know? And yeah. um, it's brilliantly done, brilliantly mm-hmm. done to show that you know what it's the whole family's illness. Yes." And yeah. it's easy to lose sight of that when you're at the sufferer, you know.
3: Yes, and and I just I love that. I think that's just bang. It's bang on. It's so so accurate. And we so this is we're several years post this gym, yes. you know, addiction. Probably yes. a few, <laughs> you know, or at least three years post that, um, and. And the, so the kids and I will joke about it now, about that I was so disciplined, I would be in bed at eight o'clock to be up at four o'clock in the morning. So I could (laughs) get my supplements, eat my egg, get to the gym, do my training, come back home, get them ready for school. And then, you know, just kind of the day went on. But that was my life. And I, and I was following this really regimented nutrition plan at the time, and that I wouldn't even buy bacon. It's like I bought turkey bacon. And so my son just was is, jokes about this all the time because he goes, remember that time we went to the store, Mom, and I put my face up against the cooler and I just begged you to buy real bacon? <laughs> and he did. He totally did. It was so funny. And so there was all these people going past. He goes, oh, Mom, please just buy some real bacon. <laughs> it's just this real solidifying moment about, you know, how – Insane I was, <laughs> and I think my response to him was, "Seriously, you can eat that stuff at your grandma's." <laughs> I'm not touching it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So the so the goal, I guess, or the the connection and the all of the things that have come out of this whole journey and that have been included in the book are really just really on a human level how we're we're all gonna die at some point we all get to decide the quality of how we live every day though and mm-hmm. and so for a lot of people there is just a huge disconnect they're in some sort of isolation they're overwhelmed they're they're just feeling completely alone and so what just recently evolved right right before I got the book published um, I just had a friend say hey like have you ever considered maybe putting in like would you start a community for people that could find some value out of some of the wisdom and the lessons and just your, you know, coaching experience that, you know, if people buy the book, they can come into a community and receive, you know, updates and webcasts and just participate in things that would get them to think differently. And I thought, what a great idea. Like, that's brilliant. And of course I would love to do that. I would absolutely love to connect more with um, my readers. And the book is not just for people who have families with terminal illness. I think it's for really anybody who is looking to, you know, building courage and self-respect and wellness when we have those opposite things going on. How do we how do we get back in touch with and in love with ourselves? So I came up with this idea um, in consultation with some really good friends for a community called Leah. Life, and it's just really like um, an invitation for people to look at how to do a course correction gently for themselves and their life if they've been on off track. Just like I was at the gym, <laughs> right? it's yes. like so, so. How do we get into the like doing a course correction? How do we recognize when we're off track? And as a community, how do we help each other to get b- back on track? And that through this community of sharing that we would discover and share ideas and techniques for creating lives of love and peace because I'm not the only one with these great ideas. I think that um, it's like when you're not ever asked to sing at the choir, You know, so there's all these people who have such wonderful insight and wisdom and intelligence and that they haven't had a chance to share it in the bigger world. And so I think that this community piece really would speak to people being able to come together and heal
2: Yeah, and I'm really glad that you've done that because I think the concept of a book now because of social media in many ways has changed. You know, before the internet and social media, um, your only contact with the author is really through the book. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a tremendous opportunity, all sorts of opportunities for the author to interact with readers and continue the conversation and to share their wisdom. And the book is really, I advise a lot of people that I work with. The book is just a starting point. If you have if you have message and powerful messages like you have, that's really what you want to do because the reader doesn't just want to read the book. They want to continue to be engaged. They want to contribute, as you say. They probably have some great ideas themselves. So, you know, I really love the idea that you've incorporated that because I do think – Um, that absolutely is the way to do it today you know that is one of the advantages of social media it's easy to do Um, and you can not only be more available to your readers but equally they can be available to each other and um, I, I think that community approach to it really adds to the power of your message I really do
3: Yeah. And I'm just, I am so excited to be uh, the reason for writing the book in the first place is because I'm a coach. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like that's my been my entire life. I've been coaching something athletics or work or people or corporations or community development projects since I was 16 years old. And And my passion absolutely is for people to see clearly where they are and where they can be and to help them to chart that course and to encourage them. So it was just so the book really was um, like just really a very small piece. And I'm just so grateful that there's these other avenues to be able to help people really on a real day to day personal level to change what they're experiencing in their life.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I agree agree completely, and I'm I'm really thrilled that you added that dimension to it because I think it really adds to the power of the book and the value of it, too. Um, in, in, in many many ways so when we come back in the third segment of this episode of Master Your Life we'll talk a little bit more about the pra- practical issues that you have raised in the book and we'll also find out whether you ever got back to eating real bacon
4: <laughs> follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's VoiceAmericaTRN. TRN if you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. They
0: say you can't change the weather, but we already have. And if we've changed it for the worse, let's change it for the better. Tune in to The Climate Opportunity, a two-hour special hosted by Beth Green and Dr. Grant Dean. Expert guests Professor Scott Denning, Chef Laura Steck, video journalist Peter Sinclair, and Kelsey Worth of Women Out Front will share how we can improve our lives while improving our weather. Listen on Inside Out Radio, Tuesday, November 11th, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Presented by Inside Out Radio and Voice America.
1: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L E A H A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life.
2: Welcome back to Master Your Life. I'm co host Dr. Howard Rankin, and today I am talking with my co host, Leah Manson, about her new book silver linings. And we've been talking about the many valuable aspects of it. Um, we've talking about Leah's story about how she got consumed um, in t- taking her health very, very seriously spending time at the gym and even going so far as not buying real bacon. Um, I do wonder, as I mentioned before the break, whether you ever went back to eating real bacon, Leah? <sighs>
3: Well, as any good farm girl will tell you, which I am, (laughs) absolutely. We can only resist bacon for so long, and then we come back to our senses. So that's a good indicator that I had, you know, squarely landed safely back in uh, (laughs) regularville.
2: Well, well, no, that's good. That, that, that shows us that the obsessiveness that took over immediately after you found out your diagnosis and led you to do all sorts of um, extreme things, you were able to overcome that, perhaps with the help of your family and your kids in particular, uh, and to reorient yourself to, to doing what you do best, I think, uh, uh, which is being grateful and sharing the love.
3: Yes, thank you, Howard. Yeah, my family was and is still a really critical piece of that. And uh, I just we'll go back to the, you know, the joking around that we do very frequently on the show. The the ability to express joy and have fun and be playful are so also critical and key to how, how my life experience is. And I was really fortunate to, um, I can't remember when exactly it was, but just we have these opportunities in our life to make little mantras. You know, so some people say I'm a fantastic mom and I'm a great coach and I'm a, you know, beautiful, sexy, vibrant woman. And uh, men will say, you know, like I'm a handsome, cavalier, smart, intelligent Focused, driven man, and uh, say most, that too.
2: <laughs> or even the most interesting man in the world, the or something like that. Most interesting
3: man in the world, yes. Yeah. And so, mine, my little mantra though, nice. ended up being, "I am a playful woman."
2: Ah, <laughs> ah interesting yeah. word, playful.
3: Mm-hmm. Playful, yes, and that so playful. operating. Yeah, go playful, ahead, Howard.
2: Play for a woman who eats real bacon.
3: Right. <laughs> there you go. See, that's twice. That's twice. <laughs> Three times I'm going to be having a sponsor that's a pork producer. Here we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so so really that set, that grounds a lot of what I do. Is having that little match or playing in the back of my head uh, because you can be really serious in life and you can, uh, we can all, it's like I can be really serious and get, it's like thinking, thinking things that actually don't serve any actual real purpose because a lot of the things that we think are just made up. You know they're paper tigers.
2: Oh, yeah. no no absolutely I think therefore I'm wrong so it <laughs> happens all the time right and, uh, so there's no question about that and especially in a crisis situation or uh, or a situation that can be interpreted as a crisis, um, that definitely happens for sure and so as we've talked about in other shows one of the key life skills is being able to recognize when you're doing that when you're spinning out of control when the emotion is really driving the narrative when your frontal lobes are out of the picture and there's no rationality and that's when the the chips are down how do you manage that
3: yeah, and I think so. Having the having a really solid mantra and a really solid operating group of uh, principles is the thing that has saved my bacon. <laughs> so so like I talk about in the book um, some of the best authors and teachers and coaches that I have had uh, in my life, mentors that I look to for wisdom and insight. And uh, so Louise Hay, definitely. Tony Robbins even, um, I think, has been very valuable in my life. In, and I remember when I got this... Um, I got the status and I went, well, I'm not going to Tony Robbins my way out of this one. (laughs) And then I thought, well, maybe I can. So, but that was, that was before and certainly before I took any training or, you know, even considered that, but it was just a funny thought that went through my head. Uh, But Miguel Ruiz, you know, so sort of the Mm. four agreements. And I think, you know, the, the, the two sort of fundamental things about love the Lord, your God, whatever that is for you, if it's, you know, the creator or the artwork in the sky or whatever but have that thing that's the most important and do unto others and and then the you know don't take things personally don't assign blame to other people always do your best and be impeccable with your word And so when you have, when I have those really strong foundations, and I write about that in the book, about the people who've mentored me through their written work, that also makes Mm. me excited because I think as an author, what of course you would uh, want most, or that would be a really awesome outcome, would be if anybody ever said, you know what, your book helped me so much. Like that would be the biggest honor in the world.
2: Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Is I wondered whether you'd ever got any inspiration from the writer Francis Bacon, but let's not go there.
3: (laughs) Was he a (laughs) friar? Hang on, that's a chicken. (laughs) Hold on. Um.
2: So, but I love what you just said, actually, and I probably should have honored it more with rather than the silly comment about all those virtues that are so important and they're and there for a reason, you know, the connection with other people, the doing the right thing, the integrity, you know, there's, those are more than just words.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are a-
2: the, those, are, those are how to live your life and they're how to live your life for a reason, because it does bring that level of joy, it does bring that level of connection, it does bring that level of peace. And it's precisely at those critical moments, like being given a potentially terminal diagnosis, that's what you need and that's what you need to return to. And again, one of the things that I'm always impressed uh, with you, Leah, is you have the ability to do that under the most difficult circumstances.
3: Mm -hmm. yeah and I and again I go back to the mentors that I had in my life and and really wanting to have a life where I had self-respect and so part of that whole self-respect piece and sometimes I haven't had it so very human nope didn't have it there and grappled to get it back and 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 so when we can return to, when I can return to a place of really deep positive regard, then I'm able to be like completely open with other people, which is just a huge gift. And Mm -hmm. that because I have nothing to hold back so I can be completely playful because it comes from a very authentic place and I can, I can joke around and enjoy people and it is, it is only that There's nothing else to it. There's no agenda. There's no like no other outcome other than enjoying the moment that's happening right now.
2: Yeah, and that's truly a gift, isn't
3: it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, and we have lots of fun on the show. And you know, when we get off of here, we have a little chat, and then and we tease our sound engineers, and you know, and so they'll <laughs> and we and so and so. But that is being really present, you know. So not thinking about, oh, well, what am I making for supper, and do I have to worry about this, that, and the other thing? It's it's a gift and a skill to develop to be able to live in in the now, because the now is really the only thing that we're we're given. So. My hope is again, through the book and through developing this community of people who are just looking really looking for being dedicated and committed to this journey of self-respect and empowerment and joy and total wellness and total wellness i don't mean that you go to the gym and that you train your physical body total wellness is this whole it's a whole thing it's like holographic it's seeing yourself from all angles and loving all of those angles of yourself
2: yeah Yeah. Mm You know, it's like a relationship. It's easy to um, have a great relationship when everything's going well. Mm -hmm. Um, But the real test of a relationship is when things aren't going well. And, and, And I think the same thing here is what you're saying. You know, perhaps it's easier to be fit and healthy and well and into all of that when life is going along smoothly. The challenge is to do that when it isn't going along smoothly, when you're faced with big challenges. That's that's the challenge, is it not?
3: Yeah, yeah, I definitely I think that is that is part of the challenge. Absolutely. And also being able to surrender to. Um, like bigger more important things so one of the things I found in my uh, gym addiction was that I couldn't surrender to bigger more important things like connecting with people and you know so that just being so rigid in my thinking and rigid in my behavior uh, disconnected me from other people and so part of maturing and learning to and I do call it maturing so all of us are maturing we're all learning we're all growing the, the point is to grow not die not shrink so when we notice things about ourselves that we think wow that's not so hot um, even if popular culture is doing it I think it's like that going especially if it's doing it yeah is to go whoa that's actually whoa and and to be truthful with ourselves about what's actually right And what's actually right is sometimes not all that comfortable.
2: (laughs) No, no, it isn't. And that's where the moral courage comes in. You know, we ask, who are you and who do you want to be? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I certainly hope I'm the person that when it's not convenient or easy, uh, needs to take the right path and and speak up, you know, and say that's not right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's easy. I'm I'm reminded here of a book that I had just finished with a delightful young lady who was in college. Kosovo during the Kosovo conflict and mm-hmm. came to the United States and didn't speak English and early in her school years in New Jersey was teased and, and all of that stuff mm-hmm. and was merciless. In fact, she became suicidal at the age of seven. Oh. Um, but as she grew up, she grew into be a lovely woman and then in her teens, she was the one, she now found herself being the big shot and teasing everyone else mm-hmm. until one summer she stu- stood back and looked looked at herself and said, this isn't who I am. This isn't right. Just because everyone, all the other, you know, kids in middle school, you know, think I'm awesome and are doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. And I, th- I really think it took a lot of courage for her. And she went back the next year and befriended all of the kids that she had been making fun of, mm-hmm. you know? And, yeah. you know, th- there are those moments, and you've just talked about them mm-hmm. in, in your book, where you're going to stand up, who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Right? Who do you want to be? Do you just right. want to go with a cultural flow or do you want to do the right thing and do you want to have self-respect?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it requires a great amount of uh, courage and introspection and ability to humble yourself over and over again because we're so, um, we, we make mistakes all the time. <laughs> and so yep. that ability to uh, look at myself Uh, uh, Critically, with a loving eye, uh, and critically and going, is this actually what you want for your life? Uh, And even the simple things that uh, I think about that influence, things that we let in that influence how we think. And that I've guarded myself um, from letting a lot of things in by not watching TV and by limiting the amount of social media that I myself take in. And because I feel almost like it grates on me and that it um, and it steals and robs me from that place of being playful and joyful because so many things are so crass and so dehumanizing and so disconnecting. And so sabotaging, and I and we've got a whole culture of people who are feeling all of these, a lot of feelings that are negative, uh, and and much of it's created by the media that we uh, ingest every day.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, um, for all you listeners, uh, Leah Matson clearly is somebody who knows how to bring home the bacon. No, I'm sorry. That's the last, <laughs> that's the last reference I'm going to make. Too what bad. I to, <laughs> what I, I want to do now, Leah, is, is um, tell the readers about where they can get your book, how they can get it, how they yes. can sign up for Leah's life, etc., cetera, etc., cetera.
3: Absolutely wonderful. So you can go on to my website, which is real life training. Dot com, And there's a link there for buying the book. And it will be available, I believe, November the 12th. And uh, if that date changes, I will definitely post it on the website so that people can uh, find it. Uh, I just love to invite people to join the Leah Life community. You'll find the hyperlink and, and the good news information inside the front page of the book. It's the very front page of the book, Silver Linings, The Essential Guide to Building Courage, Self-Respect and Wellness. And um, just as things evolve, I would love for you to contribute your good ideas and thoughts and uh, to really think about it as a long-term journey of healing and uh, self-respect gaining and making the world a better place.
2: Yeah, and, you know, it's an awesome enterprise. I'd really encourage people to, to buy the book and to get engaged in the community. Um, I'm sure I will. Uh, I would look forward to being part of that community. And it's a way, too, for you listeners to participate uh, in what we're doing, too. And we would absolutely welcome any listeners to, to join us uh, on on your site, Leah. Yes,
3: so there's a little surprise for people, and it would— and And just to say there is a little surprise for people in that there's a tool to help them do some uh, journaling and assessment of what's going on in their own life. So there's a reflective guide that will also be available as part of the book purchase.
2: Great, great. So um, I wish you all the best. Um, It's an awesome enterprise, a great book. I love the website concept. I think it's great. I think that our listeners will get a lot of benefit from it, as will other people. So thank you, thank you, thank you for putting up with my silliness today and and telling us about your, your great book. So until the next time. On Master Your Life, I'm Dr. Howard Rankin, along with my co-host, Leah Mattinson, wishing you well to the next time.
1: Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go enjoy your successful life.